where I'm from, if you do that, you're going to punch me in the face. And that's not going to happen. You know, you're a dork. You're JV beta. You're... You are what you are, bro. You're just a loser in life, man. You're not going to get a hit off me, you know. So I had to give him the three-piece with the soda and then just glide out of there, you know. Damn, game bread. I feel you. What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here. And welcome to episode 11 of Your Boy Elroy. I am Josh Prep Igina, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. How you feeling, Andre? Feeling great, man. It's good to see you. We're recording about an hour before post time due to me having a stomach virus earlier in the week. But hey, we're getting it done. And we have a huge show, so let's get right into it. Let's get into the news, Andre. Let's do it. So the first thing I put on is news that came out of nowhere that nobody really expected. UFC pay-per-views from now on are going to be exclusive to ESPN+. That's a big move. Now with that deal, it extends the ESPN deal for another two years. So instead of five years, it's seven years. And Dana White is signed for another seven years as well as uh, one of the other head guys there. Which none none of the fans care, but <laughs> UFC pay per view. So, you know, ESPN Plus kind of putting a monopoly on it. You know, we don't really know too much about the deal. We don't know how much pay per views are going to be nowadays. We're not sure how they're going to factor this in with uh, just the ESPN platform. Like, so you're telling me I have to pay five dollars to pay another sixty dollars to watch a pay per view? I th I think they're trying to push it as something that's like well worth it, like well worth the money. I kind of have an idea that maybe they're going to lower the price in pay-per-views because you're already paying for ESPN Plus. I don't think it'll be by much, but I'm hoping that it will be a fair amount. Like maybe they'll drop it from $60 to $40 or from $60 to at least 50. You know, at least you're getting some sort of value. Yeah, my, I mean, I honestly think that pay-per-views are going to go right in half. I think they're going to be 30 bucks from now on. Mm. But my thing is, well, I'm going to contradict myself in a second, but my initial thought was, why doesn't it just make ESPN Plus 20 bucks? UFC plan, 20 bucks a month, and you get everything. Yeah, I pay. Yeah, I pay ten dollars a month for WWE, and they crank out tons of content. You know, air quotes. <laughs> but um, with ESPN Plus, like you do get a lot of stuff. But I did cancel the zone, <laughs> and there's a lot on the zone. But they just raised their price to twenty, and the internet is going nuts. Yeah, honestly, I I don't think that was a good move on their part. Not at all. It's a uh, it's clearly ruffled some feathers, but I think the ESPN Plus move is a good look. I think it's actually going to work out for the better eventually once they get settled in with the price and they actually tell people, because I really do think that they're just going to cut it in half and the price will be 30 bucks. Yeah, and I think that'll be so incredible because you're going to get a lot more people buying pay-per-views, which means that the actual revenue that they're going to bring in might actually end up increasing fighter pay, which is kind of what I think the UFC was trying to go towards, especially because, you know, the whole Reebok thing kind of fell out. It's a little better now, but to actually bring the fighters more revenue and bring them more pay, I think that should be paramount, you know, especially with this new ESPN Plus deal. Yeah, so my hope with it is that... And it's actually something that Dana White actually expressed was putting discounts on certain pay-per-views, which they couldn't do with regular pay-per-view provider. They had to, you know, ask this person, could they do it here? And if they do it at one place, they would have to get everybody to say they could do it, and it was impossible. So now, going through just ESPN+, Plus, they'll be able to give discounted pay-per-views. Yeah, oh, that is such a, 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 I would say, great news to hear because... Let's face it, there's going to be some pay-per-views that aren't going to be as prominent and as popular as some others. For example, Conor comes back to fight, let's say, the winner of... Uh, after, let's say, Holloway wins and he fights Khabib he, and he fights the winner of that. 
you know, that's a huge pay-per-view. Whereas to, let's say, Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm makes the main event because they have no other main event spot. You know, it's pay-per-views like that. Yeah, that should be a little cheaper. Not to say that the fighters, you know, don't deserve as much. But mm -hmm. then again, we're talking about how much the gate's going to make. And we're talking about how many, like, people are actually going to buy the pay-per-view. And if it's cheaper, why wouldn't I buy it? Exactly. It should work out for the better. But we'll see once they... It's going to start at the Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier pay-per-view. So once they announce the price for that... Then you'll know, okay, this is a good thing. Rather, Because yeah. if they really think they're going to sell the pay-per-views on there for $60, it's a wrap. Yeah, that's not going to end well. Especially with so many fans who are really looking forward to this. This is a new chapter in Holloway's era. And for Poirier as well, he's fighting a guy he beat. And he's probably thinking, oh, I'm going to cruise to this victory. But Holloway's not that guy, so this is a huge pay-per-view. Yeah, let's stay in that lightweight division. There's something that I don't want to shed too much light on, but this is more for me to just get my well wishes out to him. Tony Ferguson's going through some stuff personally, hence why he's not fighting Max Holloway or Dustin Poirier for that lightweight title right now. Um, all I want to say is I hope that he can get the help he deserves. Um, I know that it's not easy being in a relationship and I hope that he could work things out you know however it may be whether you know you got to go somewhere else or you just seek help yeah and I think the biggest component to all of this is understanding what's at stake because I think everybody can agree with me on the point that Tony Ferguson is the number one guy who should be getting that lightweight spot you know for the title and um, I would really hate to see something like this end up turning into the demise of his career because he's such a special talent. And I think the unfortunate part about all of this is the fact that this is a huge distraction for him. And, you know, he said it himself. He was like, you know, I don't want to fight for another interim belt because I already had the interim belt and they took it away from me. And I know he just wants that strap. And it's unfortunate what happened with that ACL. But I'm just hoping that the same way he bounced back from that, like in a supernatural case, hopefully he bounces back from this. And, you know, after that fight, you know, dissolves, maybe he's next. Yeah, so well wishes to Tony Ferguson from the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. Let's get into some other news that nobody expected. Came out of left field. Huge news. TJ Dillashaw relinquishes his title because there was some, you know, funny stuff found in a drug test from his last fight. Now, we're not sure. Let me just reiterate. We're not sure what it is, but there was something, and he chose to relinquish his title before he broke the news, before anybody else said anything, and he relinquished his title. So clearly he knew something was wrong. And he decided to take action before he was labeled, you know, a piece. It, it was, oh man, it took me by surprise because, you know, Garbrandt, you know, like they were pointing out in every single MMA platform on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, you name it. They kept pointing out that maybe Garbrandt was right. And, you know, in some cases, that's true. I mean... The reality is that a lot of fighters play off PEDs as just, like, you know, stuff that isn't illegal. But if you know it's illegal, you shouldn't be doing it because at the end of the day, this is a combat sport and it's not about who's stronger. This is about who's a better martial artist. And that should be kept into consideration while you're training. And I think it sucks that this has happened because now this is shaking up the Bantamweight division. But I think we know what's going to occur now that he has relinquished his belt. And um, I think we know who might end up being the new Bantamweight champion. So uh, it's it, it's one of those bittersweet situations. I, I, you know, I'm definitely hurting for Dillashaw. But at the same time, I really just hope that something good will come out of this. And I hope that Dillashaw doesn't end up becoming like the next kind of John Jones type figure where... He's always testing positive and something's always going wrong. You know, so 
Marlon Marias, get ready for that title shot. <laughs> yeah, we got to figure that him and Henry, Henry Cejudo is the move. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I think that's the move. I wish that, you know, I think Henry deserves it. But I really wish it was Marias versus Pedro Munoz. But, hey, we can only dream for certain things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Coming off of a week of ridiculous, unexpected news, we get into something that's coming back that everybody wants to see, but nobody really wants to say it. Conor McGregor says the DS trilogy is coming. Now, the cowboy fight falls out because it's not a main event. And which, let me just say, did you see the Dana White interview I sent you? Yeah. Okay. My... My argument about that, I believe, wasn't that... He said the Anderson Silva-Nick Diaz card was the last time they tried that and it didn't work. Like, a non... Yeah. I I don't know. I don't think... Like, Nick Diaz isn't like Nate Diaz draw level, right? Not really. I just think that Connor's a huge name. Those two fights were historic, you know. Connor lost, and then he comes back and beats him by split decision in a super razor thin fight. This is definitely main event worthy, but I think that Connor is in that place where he's like, dude, I'm worth so much. If this isn't a pay per view event and I don't get my pay per view shares, I don't want any part of it. In some cases, I will say he's earned that right because he made the company a lot of money. But you can't just expect them to say, okay, it'll be a main event. And then what are they going to do for the co-main? Because every other fight has to live up to that kind of hype. So are you going to do a bunch of number one contender fights? That's not going to work. Everybody's schedule is different. I think in this case, and you know... Don't go crazy on me for saying this. I think one of the only ways that this pay-per-view could work is if it's for a title. The 165-pound title. Oh, my God. Now, you're going to hate me for Uh... saying that. But, hey, I think that's the only way it works. And um, if it doesn't work that way, then that main event might, might not be as big as, you know, people are expecting it to be. So there you have it, guys. You heard it here first. It's probably the craziest opinion you ever heard, but I could be on to something. You know what's the truth, though? And Dana would bring out the 165-pound title for Conor McGregor. Yeah. If there's anybody he'd do it for, Conor McGregor's the guy. But the best part is in the midst of making that title, guess who's going to... Definitely shoot for those shots. There's two big guys. I'm not going to name the third one because he recently retired. But there's two big guys who definitely want a shot at a 165-pound belt. I can guess one. Go for it. Khabib. Oh, I was going in a different direction, but yeah. Khabib is definitely, because 155 is a hard cut for him. Yeah, 165, he'll be too dominant. I yeah, think like he'll kill guys. One fifty, Like, these guys show it like it's easy. Because, like, wrestlers... They cut weight like it's nothing. Yeah, because at any point when you're doing meets throughout your entire like regular um, collegiate career, you're cutting one to twice, maybe a month, maybe yeah. more. Yeah, some guys, like, I think I was listening to Dylan Dennis. I think he said he had to make weight three days in a row. Yeah. Like for, not ADC, some, some tournament. Yeah. Like some crazy tournament he had to make three days in a row. Could you imagine that? It's it's harsh on your body, but a lot of guys they learn how to keep their weight down, and um, and that's the only way you can really perform still at a high level but be drained. Um, that's kind of the toughest part about combat sports. And honestly, I just wish that like the UFC in in particular and places like Bellator would take a page out of one fighting championship. I really do, and I've talked about this before, but it's so important. Because, like, guys like Khabib, look how much weight this guy's cutting. And he's a big guy. Like, right now, as we speak, I know for a fact that Khabib, if he really wanted to fight for the 170-pound title, 
he could dis- he could probably really give Kamara Usman work. Not because he's Khabib, but because if you see his frame when he when he balloons back up, he's walking around at least 175 in there. You could see the huge size advantage he had over Connor. And it's scary because you could all you had to do was look at his back and seeing how wide it was. He's a big guy. But that 165-pound title will open up so many avenues because then you've got guys like Ben Askren who's going to want a shot and a crack at that belt. And then you definitely have guys like freaking Kevin Lee and even guys like Dustin Poirier who's going to want a crack at that belt. Mm-hmm. There's so many names who are going to be like, yeah, I want a shot. For some reason when... It wasn't a joke when Nick Diaz and Dustin Poirier were talking about it and they called it the super fight division. Because honestly, the two divisions will clear out of the best names and everybody would be 165. Yeah, it's true. And and the thing is that you'll see a lot of well-rounded, hydrated fighters going in there. And don't be surprised if Khabib goes up and starts knocking people out. Because an extra 10 pounds, a lot of people don't understand that that gives you a huge advantage. Because if you only have to cut, let's say he's walking around at 180, if you only have to cut 15 pounds, 15 pounds as opposed to 25, oh my God, he'll go in there like a tank. Look mm-hmm. at uh, Daniel Cormier at heavyweight. Yeah. He said it. He said, yo, I'm knocking out my training partners. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's, it's really because you lose so much energy and, and you drain yourself just to make weight. And it's like... It, is it really worth it? Yeah, you're, sometimes you might give up a size advantage, but those guys are cutting weight just as bad as you, and they're just doing it because they want to. Perfect example. I don't really like Luke Rockhold, but there's a slight chance that he could do pretty well at 205 because he really walks around around that weight, like 210, 215. So if he only has to cut 10 pounds, we can only, I mean, I can only imagine that he's going to be a lot more fluid. I'm just hoping that he puts his hands up. <laughs> Yeah. And then we'll see how good he is at 205. Yeah, well, since you brought that up, let's get into the fight announcements for this week. We already said two names from that list. Luke Rockhold versus Jan Blahowitz got booked, which, you know, Blahowitz just got beat up. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess he, quick turnaround, gets to fight a guy starting in a new division. Yeah, this can go one or two ways. If Rockhold's ready for the challenge, sure. But if he can't deal with Blankowicz's size, then this is not going to be fun. Yeah, this it's a shame because Blahowitz, we were talking about being a contender, and now he's like the guy who welcomes the new guy. You know, so now he has... His name is just like thrown through the mud like it doesn't matter anymore yeah i think that a lot of people expected him to bulldoze through tiago santos and you know i get it because tiago is like you know he's not as big as all the other guys but tiago santos is a problem and mm-hmm. he hits really hard if he can drop a, a light heavyweight that easily you know what i mean that like that's scary and, and i think the craziest part is that yeah, he might not do well against John Jones, but Jesus Christ, like this guy hits hard and and he's a threat to anybody that he catches. And he's also not afraid of anybody. So, I mean, let's see what happens. I if I have to make a prediction, I'm just going to say Rockhold. I have a feeling he might catch him in a submission, so but yeah, that's a long shot, so. Yeah, we'll see. Don't forget, he's a samurai. <laughs> <laughs> Another fight which we spoke about, it was rumored, it's finally confirmed, Cerrone versus Iaquinta. Good fight. I like Iaquinta. Yeah. He's hilarious to me. Who doesn't like Donald Cerrone? Besides him, you know, slightly airing on the uh, white supremacist side, he's so good. Yeah. And he's fun to watch. That's going to be a good fight. Yeah, and you know, this is one of those fan favorite fights. These guys are loved by their fans. I quint the real Brooklyn gangster. Real Brooklyn gangster. But Cerrone, man, he's the cowboy man. And he'll he'll get that lasso with this dude up real quick. And and you know, I, I think that I'm really excited for this fight mainly because this is gonna be a big striking battle. But like we saw, when Masvidal fought Cerrone, what happened? Cerrone cracked under the pressure. And look what happened when Iaquinta put the pressure on Khabib. Now, if Cerrone can weather the storm and he can, you know, fight on the outside, good. 
But if not, you know, like, Iaquinta's is coming in here with a lot of confidence. He just beat the living crap out of Kevin Lee. So, you know, Cerrone's going to have to come in there the same way he did against um, Alexander um, Hernandez. And he's going to have to try and just catch this dude trying to come in and just, you know, be a ninja. <laughs> and the fight that I did not expect at all, Kevin Lee versus Rafael Dos Anjos. I mean, sure, why not, right? It's one of those, like... Nobody cares about Yeah, it is what it is. It'll be a fun fight. I don't see it being any... I, Kevin Lee, besides him being, like, the Black Connor wannabe, like, I guess. It, there's really not, not much to say because Dos Anjos is kind of going further down in his career. Lee doesn't want to cut to 155. No, Lee can't cut to 155. Yeah, I, I'll say that too. And and that's a huge problem. But um, if this is where his career takes him, good luck. Because 170 is not easy. <laughs> Especially because he has a huge size advantage that he has to deal with. Yeah, and the final piece of news, which... So, this I did not expect... But after, like, the last two years, out two or three years, I'm very happy for him about this. Michael Bisping gets named for the UFC Hall of Fame. Yeah. What do you feel about this? Like, I'm ecstatic for the guy. I'm just happy that he finally gets that, you know, he gets his due. Yeah. He's getting put into the modern wing, as he should. But the dude's been fighting forever. Yeah, man. And he's done a hell of a lot in the UFC. And he capped off his career with, you know, a title victory. You know, I, I don't worry about the two losses. I'm more about the victory. <laughs> yeah, look, man. You can't take away from Bisbing because at the end of the day, he was their first champion that was from the UK born and bred and on top of that he was also one of the very few ultimate fighter winners who won a UFC championship sure it was at the end of his career but it wasn't against a chump like he knocked out a guy who had finished him in a pre in the previous years and Luke Rockhold somebody who was going in there to you know move in like a ninja and Slice him up. Now you say at the end of his career, but don't you agree that it was at the right time? Perfect time. Perfect timing. And, and you know, the, the good thing is that when he had his opportunities, yeah, he kind of fell short. He had opportunities. Um, uh, one big one was against Chael Sonnen. And um, if he would have won that fight against Chael, he would have been in line to fight Anderson next. But I don't think at that time he was prepared um, mentally. But going against Rockhold the second time, he had nothing to lose, especially on what was it, one or two weeks' notice. Yeah, I mean, come on, like it was it was a perfect ending to a Cinderella story. Are you intoxicated? <laughs> now that fight, wrong fight, but still hilarious. Yeah, look, man, hats off to Bisping for even taking that fight, because regardless of the size advantage that he had, George St. Pierre is the real samurai. <laughs> yeah. This dude is the real deal, but. Hats off to him, man, and and I'm so happy that they definitely paid you know homage to him and his incredible career because this dude fought everybody. Yeah, I'm really happy for him. First, this is what I'm missing from. This is really random. What I'm missing from the UFC and Reebok deal is why don't they make like all right? You're putting him in the Hall of Fame. Why don't you have like? A special t-shirt. Yeah. Or something like that to commemorate it. Like WWE, every year, their Hall of Fame, they put out a t-shirt for every member of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. With their career accomplishments on the back and like some cool design in the front. And it's it's awesome. Why can't the UFC do that? I think that will be a, a really good idea for Reebok because we think about it like, who I would buy that shirt. To have him... And there's not a lot of stuff from Reebok that I would buy UFC-wise. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things is, like, you know, maybe just having his name or even a picture of him with the belt. 
I think that would be amazing. Um, mainly because, like, you want to sell this because it's such a special moment. You know, like, you have guys like Uriah Faber, people like Ronda Rousey who got in the Hall of Fame, but Michael Bisping, if anybody deserves it, it would definitely be him. I think they have to definitely show respect in that in that respect. Yeah. Now, Andre, if I had to ask you, who was the biggest star from last weekend? Who would you pick? <laughs> Masvidal, you crazy? Let's get into UFC London. <laughs> what a fight. Oh my god. Darren Till versus Jorge Masvidal was everything I wanted it to be. And more. Oh my god, Andre. Andre, what did you think of this fight? (laughs) I'm not even going to lie to you, man. I might have said something in the previous podcast. But in the coming days of that, like, fight. I just saw that Masvidal really didn't care what was going to happen. He just wanted to fight. And there's something really scary about a guy who doesn't care if he gets knocked out. Because he's just willing to try anything. And the mere fact that he threw that strike with no fear and no worry if it was going to land or not is scary. Because imagine if he fights a guy like Usman and does that to him. What is Usman going to do? I don't think there's anything he can do. Yeah, because let's face it. A switch strike like that? Coming from a, a a stance that he really didn't use much in that fight. Because let's face it, he really wasn't fighting Southpaw that entire fight. He fought Southpaw against Wonder Boy because he was really trying to figure out how to get inside. But if that's the only look you can get, like, Darren Till just wasn't ready. That's all I can say about that. Jorge even said it in an interview like, yo, I don't throw that punch in fights, but I trained at this whole training camp. I knew what I was doing. It's true, man. And the crazy part is the fact that you saw how Till froze. And Till's an elite Muay Thai striker. But that just goes to show you, sometimes stuff like that works. It was just like what Woodley did to Lawler. He first fainted, and you saw how Lawler was just bracing for that shot. Because when Woodley threw it the first time, it hit him in his chest. And he tried to like hit him with a body kick, and it just it didn't propel correctly. But when he fainted first and then threw it, Lawler didn't see it coming. And it was the same concept. And let's, let's be real, man. One of the biggest advantages that Masvidal has is the fact that he is versatile and he's just so good under pressure. A lot of guys can't handle it. He's willing to stand and bang with you because his head movement is exceptional. And you saw after that first strike that he took from Till, like he wasn't worried about anything else. He was like, dude, you don't even hit that hard. And and I think that's scary because that just goes to show, like he lost against Ma- Damian Maya and he lost to Wonder Boy and he comes in against a scary dude and knocks him out. Like, I don't even want to talk about this no more. I'm going off the rails. It was It was beautiful and... You could do that all you want on this podcast because I think that fight was worth the breakdown that you just gave us. But let's talk about what happened afterwards. Now, everybody already knows by now the three-piece in a soda. (laughs) And honestly, to me, I don't know if you can say different, but to me, what I saw in the video, if you slow down that video and you watch... Leon Edwards comes up with his hands up. Yeah. Like Jorge says. Yeah. He denies it, though. He says he doesn't. No, it's clear. As soon as he hits the frame, his hands are up. Yeah. It's true. So, so yo, like he said, that means you're going to punch me in the face, and that's not going to happen. Yeah, look, man, like, I'm going to be real with everybody, so you can hear this coming from me. I'm from the hood, man, and I don't talk about this because I'm not a gangster or anything, but if you walk up to to a man from the hood and you put your hands up, if this dude is from the hood, he's going to hit you because you don't do that. You'll get knocked out for doing something stupid like that, even if you're playing around, and I guess Leon's just not from that kind of hood 
Because you don't, and even just in real life, how would you expect somebody to be totally civil or at least calm and collected when you have your hands up in their face? You know how I know Leon's not from that hood? Because the first thing his camp yelled was, that's assault. (laughs) Come on. You ain't so tough now, buddy. We don't use expletives on this podcast, but that's like a punk move yeah to be nice about it yeah and it's true man it's like come on man like just be real with yourself don't talk crap to a guy like that because what's worse is he was like hey just say it to my face no security guard stopped him at all and all he had to say was yo i'll see you in july that's it yeah but uh, honestly the only reason i want to see that fight is because i want to see what leon edwards does let's let's get into that then Fights to make after this weekend. I'll give you my three, and then you can give me your three. Definitely. So my three, I picked Masvidal versus Woodley. I mean, everybody says, well, they were in the same camp at one time, but, well, so is Kobe. If you say that, you could say Kobe Covington and Woodley is in the same camp. Yeah. So they can fight. Yeah. Leon Edwards versus Darren Till. I still think they should make that fight. To me, Edwards hasn't proved himself enough. I don't think he's that good. He's not. He's not that good. And then the last fight, Dominic Reyes versus Corey Anderson. Uh, Yeah, I agree with that last one. I just, like, I'm the only person, me and, well, Ariel Hawani acts like he's giving him credit, but he's not. (laughs) Like, I'm honestly trying to give this guy credit. Like, I know he just grinds out a fight and he ekes out a decision, but hey. He's winning fights. He is, and and you know that I like Corey because he's just willing to throw himself out there, and he's not worried about who he's fighting. He's had some really tough losses to guys like um, Jimmy Manua and Ovin Saint Prue, and and it was really hard to watch, you know, because he's an ultimate fighter winner. But damn, like <laughs> he's had a tough go at it, and. Uh, I just think that, you know, it would be a good fight for him to really test himself. But if he's expecting to get a title shot of some sorts after that kind of victory over Dominic Reyes, like, he's not getting it. And and even then, like, I don't want to see him fight John Jones. <laughs> like, Corey, if you if you ever listen to this podcast, I mean, no disrespect, bro. But until you can show me that you have that killer instinct, like, I just, I don't see it happening, man. I know you're going to kill me about this comparison, but how great were Holly Holmes' wins before she fought Ronda Rousey? (laughs) That's a good point. You could say the same thing about Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, I I mean, mean, yeah. Even Holly Holmes said it, though, and I called it, I will preach this to the high heavens. You can ask all my friends from that time. I said, yo, wait till this girl gets signed by the UFC and fights Ronda. It's a wrap. Oh, yeah. I said it from the rip when I saw her like two years prior. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, wow, I was right. Yeah. But she, I believe, an interview after she had won the title, she said like, yo, she played possum a little bit. Like, I knew I could win, but why show all my skills? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and I'm right there with you, man, because a lot of people are like, oh, Ronda's too dominant, you know, her grappling is too much, and I'm like, she's not even going to be able to touch this girl. My new favorite thing about MMA is when people make fun of Ronda striking, and they throw the (laughs) one clip where she's, like, flicking her hands. But, like, she never... At first, you know, as someone who doesn't really pay attention, like, and I just watch the fights for what they are, I'm like, okay solid strikes but then like when you really think about it and i start talking with you and i look at certain things now it's just like dude follow through like bring it back like that's the problem i mean and look there you have in in this game in, in combat sports you have to have a certain level of accountability and if you know your coach sucks at training he's a good fighter but if he sucks at training you and he's not correcting whatever the hell that is, 
Like, that's a huge problem. She's knocking out the guys. <laughs> Do you remember that clip? Yeah. Where he said she's knocking out the guys? Like, come Olympic on. Olympic-level boxers? Like, and uh, it just gets me mad because when I think back at that, all I could think was just put her in AKA or put her in Jackson Wink. Oh, my God. The leaps at, well, before Holly Holm fought. There's so many gyms that she could have gone to. TriStar, to train with Faraz. Oh, my God. You know how dangerous she would have been after two years of striking with Faraz Ahabi? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people need to go to see Faraz Ahabi. Oh, my God, dude. I'm sorry, but at one point in my life, I'm going to go to Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and train with him for at least a week, at least. And I want to sit down and have dinner with him. Like, like I literally just want to pick his brain and have him look at, like, assess me. You know, if I do start to fight, God willing, like, I want him to be able to tell me, like, this is what you need to work on. Yeah, let's get back on track. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Let's get to your fights that you made. Okay, so my first fight that I made was Johnny Walker versus Dominic the Devastator Reyes. The, uh, yeah, you're thing continues with uh johnny walker every week johnny walker's every fighting week, for you man. he's he's <laughs> one of the most terrifying people i've ever seen in my entire life um my next fight is jorge masvidal versus leon edwards of course now i already two. pled my case but i understand why <laughs> but you know why i don't want to see it hey man look anything to see masvidal knock edwards out again <laughs> But my last fight, I I really think this is one fight that I think will be really awesome for um, the Bantamweight division. And um, that's Nathaniel Wood versus Ricky Simon. Ricky Simon put on an excellent performance against um, Ronnie Yaya. And, um, you know, he just he just took him to Tinseltown. Just beat him up for three rounds. And then um, Nathaniel Wood, you know, he, he just had his recent victory um, over a quality opponent, you know, in London. And um, hats off to him. He looks like a really solid prospect. And I think these are the kind of fights that need to be made in order to make this division important again. Especially because of what happened with TJ Dillashaw. Yeah, well, you know, the same thing as your first fight, I feel about this last fight. I just always feel so weird about pitting two prospects against each other as they ascend. Like, I kind of look at prospects, like, on different sides of the bracket. Yeah, yeah. Like, of the weight class. Like, I always think they should clash later when they're in their prime rather than rising up the ladder because, like, who knows? Nathaniel Wood could lose to Ricky Simone, and it's a wrap for him. You never see him again. Yeah. But he can climb up and beat, you know three more guys and then fight Ricky Simone yeah. and who knows you know and I think that's the one good thing about this in particular because like for me whether they fight now or they fight later it doesn't really matter to me just them fighting would be good because Nathaniel Woods grappling is great and Ricky Simon is just he's a one of those really powerful well-rounded guys and it's going to be a big test for a guy like Nathaniel Wood um, and definitely a big test for um, Ricky um, Simone and um you know, it's kind of like the same thing like Paula Costa versus Israel Adesanya. You know, if they do end up meeting later on in their careers, like, it'll be probably really big under the assumption, of course, that both of them end up being top five fighters. You know, we saw it last time when Kamaru Usman faced Leon Edwards. It was a little too premature in my book because I felt like that could have definitely sold some pay-per-view tickets if they wouldn't have fought. But I don't think that people thought Usman was going to be as good as he is now. Which is why I think they made that fight. Because Leon's first fight, he came in and he knocked out Seth Bozinski in like five seconds with one shot. And then punched him twice on the ground and literally left him there just sprawled out. (laughs) But, you know, like, stuff like that happens. Yeah, so this week's UFC Nashville... UFC Fight Night Nashville on ESPN Plus. We got some fights to watch. We have... (laughs) I picked out the top three of what I want to see. So let's get right into the main event. Anthony Pettis versus Wonderboy Thompson. This is something that we've been talking about for... Since we started the show. Yeah. 
I cannot wait to see this. Yeah. Is this Wonder Boy coming back into prominence? Or is this Anthony Pettis' ascent up the ladder? Because to beat Wonder Boy is a big deal. The mere fact that they made this fight is crazy. Because Wonder Boy is still top three. And um, it's insane because this is... A huge opportunity for Anthony Pettis. Like they clearly think that he's gonna be something at this division to give him this fight. It's weird because he's gonna give up a lot of size against some guys, and we know that he's had trouble against wrestlers and just guys who are willing to push the pace on him. How does he do against somebody like Leon Edwards? How does he do against somebody like Ben Askren, if he does end up beating Steven Wonderboy. Because these are the kind of fights they're going to... Even a rematch with Michael Chiesa, because Chiesa is now in the welterweight division to stay. You know, how is he going to do against those guys when he's got a little more weight and they're just bigger? You know, that that's kind of the only issue I'm having with this. But I know that they made this fight because of the high-level striking that's going to come out of this. This was kind of like Zabit versus Yair. Um... This is just one of those fun fights. It was like Alex Caceres versus Yair, you know? Like, this was just one of those fights where people were like, finally, another karate movie, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm just excited for this fight because I know probably no one's going to get knocked out. But um, this is going to be one of those five-round barn burners. And I'm just really excited to see, you know, whoever rises to the occasion, like, in this fight. That's, That's just the only thing I'm excited about. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome fight. Another fight that I'm looking forward to, you know, it's I don't know how much stakes this fight actually has, but it's a heavyweight fight, Curtis Blades versus Justin Willis. You know, Curtis Blades, even after losing, he's still number four in the division. So a win over him could be a big deal. It could. Um, I haven't seen enough. I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen enough of Justin Willis, mainly because he hasn't been fighting quality opponents. That's not his fault, though. You know, at the end of the day, there's there's matchmakers, and they just... I don't think they're taking him as seriously as they should. But from the fights that I have seen, I don't know. I'm just... I'm not seeing him as an elite talent right now. And the problem is that a lot of the top guys in the top five of the heavyweight division are... And... You know, no disrespect to them, but they're old and washed up. And he's younger. And I just think that he's going to go in and bulldoze anybody. But if you're talking about a fight with the likes of Nganu, Stipe, even Junior Dos Santos, like that, those fights aren't going to go well for him at all. And um, if he really has those skills, then let's see. But the way I see this fight going, I think Curtis Blaze is just going to dominate him on the ground and open him up and t- stop him. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, if he does that, then he stays in title contention, at least until Francis Ngannou really falls out of it. Yeah. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and the last fight I want to talk about, this is somebody that I've been talking about a couple times on this podcast, it is Macy Barber versus J.J. Aldrich. I'm pretty excited for that fight. The fact that Dana White brought her up in the interview and said how excited he is, how she texts him about things that she wants to do in the UFC, has me even more excited. The girl's driven. She's going up against a good opponent, though. J.J. Rogers, no slouch, 7-2. and two, You know, so we'll see how that works out. Yeah, I like this fight because J.J. Aldrich is actually a top opponent right now. Um... She's 7-2, and two, but that definitely does not speak on how good she is. And um, I'm really just excited to see how she does against Macy Barber. Because like you said, she's driven and she really wants to win. Um, and I think the sky's the limit for her because she is looking like one of the most dangerous women that has ever been in the octagon. Because she's not just coming in and fighting girls. Like she's finishing them. And that's that's not something that's really common in women's MMA. No disrespect to women because, you know, you have got girls like Holly Holm, Cyborg, people who are just finishing machines. But 
this chick just came out of nowhere and she's beating the mess out of people. And let's not forget, she's only 20. And that's scary. Like that kind of finishing prowess. But as she goes on later into her career, we're going to have to see a level of maturity that is going to get her to the top of the, the food chain in the 115-pound division. And the 125-pound division because she has the size to fight in both weight classes. Yeah, and the fact that she's only 20, you only think that she's going to still have some time to grow. Yeah, and and the scary thing is she's looking like a really solid competitor that could potentially be a double champ. Mainly because of the fact that she has that kind of size. Because she's the same size and has basically the same frame as Valentina Shevchenko. But, you know, I don't want to gas her up that much. Let's see how she does against Aldridge. I don't want you to gas her up anymore either because it is time for my favorite segment, your favorite segment, everybody's favorite segment, Fantasy Fantasy Warfare. This week's Fantasy Warfare is brought to you by Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. WrestleMania is slowly approaching. And to get all your fix of wrestling news, head to Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks, Matt Madness, for sponsoring this week's Fantasy Warfare. Andre, this week's Fantasy Warfare is Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Ruthless Robbie Lawler. Let me get into Ruthless Robbie Lawler. This guy is a savage. 42 fights. He has 28 wins, 13 losses, one no contest. Jesus Christ. 20 of those wins by knockout. (laughs) Dude is an animal. He's fought the likes of Ben Askren, Rafael Dos Anjos, Donald Cerrone, Tyron Woodley, Carlos Condit, Roy McDonald, twice. Johnny Hendricks, twice. (laughs) Matt Brown, Jesus Christ. Josh Koscheck, Jacare, <laughs> the list goes on. This guy is a wrestler with a ki- he has kickboxing and karate in his arsenal as well. He's five eleven with a seventy four inch reach, and he fights out of Hard Knocks three six five right now. But he used to fight for ATT and before that, Militich Fighting Systems. So. Wow, that's some news to me. So we have today Santiago Ponzinibbio. He is ranked number eight in the welterweight division. Six feet tall, with a 73-inch reach. He holds notable wins and is currently on a seven-fight winning streak right now. Only his last loss to now Bellator veteran Lorenz Larkin. Now, this man... Has right now, as I'm looking at his record, split 50-50 with his last seven fights. Three being finishes and three being decisions. I'm sorry, excuse me. Four by finish and three by decision. Um, And like I said, he holds notable wins against guys like Neil Magny, Mike Perry, Gunnar Nelson, Nordin Taleb, even Court McGee. I mean, this guy is pretty scary in there. And he's looking like a serious, dangerous prospect. Jesus, Andre. Maybe for the last time, at least for a little bit, do me a favor. Can you break down this black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu versus this wrestler? So, the way this fight plays out is kind of complicated. Both guys like to stand and bang. Both have pretty serious knockout power in both hands. But the big thing about this fight is who's willing to stick and move. Who uses footwork. Because Robbie Lawler is known for standing and banging. But when he needs to fight smart, he has. For example, when he fought Rory McDonald the first time, that was not an easy fight for him. He was fighting a guy who was literally well-rounded in every aspect of MMA. Who was basically just elite, the elite of the elite. And... um he eked out a split decision in their second fight. It was pretty much the greatest fight in UFC history in my book. But he knows how to do that. 
But Santiago Ponzanibo knows when to turn it on. And he knows when to be smart when he's striking. So it really just comes down to who's willing to get in and get out. Because both guys can just land one shot and be out cold. So with that being said, I'm going to call this fight based off of the most recent events. So... The last fight for Ponzinibbio was against Neil Magny um, on the UFC Fight Night. Magny versus Ponzinibbio. And he knocked him out cold. was one shot. And um, we all know Lawler's last fight was against Ben Askren when he was, you know, um, choked out, per se, <laughs> by Ben Askren in the first round. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I think Lawler wins probably by a fourth round TKO. I think he puts it to the younger guy and just exerts his dominance and still shows like he's one of the best in the welterweight division. And still, <laughs> the winner by TKO, ruthless Robbie Lawler. Andre, thanks again for breaking down this fantasy warfare. A little show note, guys. I personally feel bad because Andre has to break down these fights all the time. So <laughs> next week and for the next coming weeks, we're actually going to switch out this segment. So Fantasy Warfare is going to be on a hiatus. But I do have an idea, Andre. This next segment that we're going to start next week is called Decoding the Arts with Andre. And we're going to be breaking down all the aspects of MMA. And we're going to start next week with jiu-jitsu. So I'll, break, I'll talk about the history of jiu-jitsu. And then all I need you to do is give me some notable jiu-jitsu fighters throughout the history of MMA. You down? Absolutely. Matt Madness, thanks for sponsoring this week's Fantasy Warfare. Let's get into some listener questions. Oh, yeah. So our first question comes from my buddy Chris from Suplex Philadelphia. Guys, Suplex Philadelphia, I cannot thank you enough. I've been banging with you guys for a while. You guys always hold me down. Hoodies, shirts, sneaks, hats, whatever I need. Chris, Mike, Chang, Justin, all you guys. Thank you so much for all you guys do. But thanks for this question, Chris. It says... What's Killershaw's legacy with the violation of USADA's policy? I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this one first. I don't think his legacy is tarnished just yet. But I do think that right now it's definitely backsliding with the loss to Henry Cejudo. And the fact that this happened is definitely lowering his stock. I just think the only way to bring his legacy back to prominence is fighting the winner of the vacated title. Whether it's, you know, Marlon Marias versus Pedro Munoz or Marlon Marias versus Henry Cejudo, which is what I think is actually going to happen. So let's see. Um, I, I, that's all I can really say because we really still don't know what happened with TJ Dillashaw and, and the testing that came back. Yeah, for me... I think Dillashaw is young enough where it's still too early to talk about his overall legacy. I think the bigger hit was him losing to Cejudo in such, you know, dominant, early stoppage or not, dominant fashion. You know, you took the shot. Whether they stopped it early or not, you still ate that shot. <laughs> so that's more of the damaging part right now, but I still think it's too early to call. And... You know, I spoke about this earlier in the episode, but we don't know what he popped for. It could have been a diuretic. What if he was just taking something, you know, to, like, help lose weight? Yeah. So, I don't think it's fair to, you know, come at his legacy yet. And, honestly, his only legacy right now is the fact that he was one of the biggest underdogs in a title fight. And destroyed the guy. Yeah. And he was also a, a, a part of one of the greatest rivalries in MMA history. And he ended up getting the last laugh. So 
Yeah. So, thanks, Chris, for that. Pash has another question pertaining to this, and his question reads, Is the only way to allow a level playing field legalizing all substances and supplements? If everybody did everything, no one has an unfair advantage. He goes on to say, I felt the same about baseball for a long time. So do you think they should just legalize everything? No, no, especially not now. With this huge deal with ESPN+, Plus, let's face it, it's like Dana White said um, in his recent interview, um, they're pretty much the number three or number four top sport in the United States and possibly in the world. And then on top of that, they're having a huge, you know, one championship is having a huge success, and they are now about to move to North America soon. They already have a TV deal. Eventually, they're going to start making shows in big arenas, and they are going to sell out. Doing something like this will tarnish the UFC for good. The reason why is because, Pash, I agree, there will be no, technically, there will be no unfair advantages, but there will be. Because there are guys who are terrifying now without PEDs. And if you put them on PEDs or you give them that opportunity, it's just going to be unfair. And I'll give you three names right now. Khabib. If this guy gets on PEDs, it's over. He'll go up to 185 and kill everybody <laughs> if he has to. Jesus. Number two, Francis Ngannou. Put Francis Ngannou on PEDs right now. What do you think he's going to do to Daniel Cormier, to Stipe? He'll freaking kill them with one shot. And then the last but not least, TRTV Tour. <laughs> put, put TRTV Tour back in the UFC at 45 years old, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you he'll smoke everybody, including Paulo Costa. It's just not good for the sport. You, The only unfair advantage that guys have is when you see a dude who's 6'3", cutting down to 155, James Vick. <laughs> it, that's not fair. But, hey, some people can just weather the storm and get through it. I just don't think that right now with you know how good the UFC is doing with the ESPN, is, that's a good move. Hopefully that answered your question, Pash. Yeah, f- uh, I have a similar thought for me. It's just, well, honestly, it's just too late. Once UFC got him... Once the UFC got in bed with USADA, it was a wrap. Yeah. There was nothing they can do. It's too late. Once you go that way, you can't go the other way. If you're going to test, you're going to test. There's nothing else you can do now. And that's the thing, man. I mean, whether people, whether these fighters like it or not, like USADA's not playing, man. They are not playing around. I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't agree, though. That is the way. But there are talent that like refuse to use. You know what I mean? There's talent because there, there's severe side effects. There's there's reasons why Kevin Randleman is not no longer with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's reasons why you know a lot of pro wrestlers are no longer with us. Yeah. I mean, you even see just the regular modern day bodybuilders. Like even they, there are some guys who have huge scars or. You know, they had six-pack abs, and now because of all of the PEDs that they were on, their stomachs are just bulging out like they're about to rip open, and it's due to that. And it's a, it's unfortunate to see stuff like that. But like I said earlier in the podcast, this is about martial arts at the end of the day. And if you are a true martial artist, you don't need any of that stuff. Just fight. And if you really want a, 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 an advantage over a fight, train harder than the other guy. That will be your advantage, working harder than him, proving that you're better than him in the gym. Chris, Pash, thanks so much for the questions. Andre, I have one question. Do you have your boom roasted? Oh, yeah, I definitely got you with a boom roasted. Hey, Leon, I heard you went vegan after catching that three-piece with the soda. Boom roasted. (laughs) (laughs) I got one for you. I got one for you. Hey, Connor, proper 12 sucks. Boom roasted. (laughs) With that being said, I am Josh Preppy Gina. You can find me at Elvory Preps in one word across all forms of social media. Andre, where can they find you? Hey man, everybody, you can find me on Instagram and now you can find me on Twitter. 
Oh, snap. You got to gotta follow Brett Akamoto. You got to follow Ariel Wani. <laughs> you got to follow Mark Ramundi. Oh, yeah. You got to. They, they dropped that. the news, so. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do that as soon as I get in um, home. But, yeah, guys, um, you can find me there, Instagram, Facebook as my regular name. Thank you guys for listening. And, you know, as we always say every week, five-star reviews, comments, anything like that. If you have any questions or, or even statements that you want to put out regarding, you know, the UFC or MMA in general, kickboxing, boxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, you name it, we got it here. We're going to do the best that we can to answer your questions and bring you the best content every week. And stay tuned for our new segment because this is going to be a fun one. Yeah. Thank you. Andre, thanks as always. We have enough episodes. If you wanted to listen to one episode every year for the next 10 years plus, we got you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you guys next week.